Welcome to episode number 98 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. So happy new year to you. I hope that you are sitting around enjoying, oh, I don't know, maybe a week or so back into work and feeling like you're getting back into the hang of things after dead week, which is what the New York Times calls the period between Christmas and New Year's, and I think it's very appropriate. It does seem to be a um, quiet time in our household, and uh, and I was just thrilled because um, I ended up not blocking off this year's uh, time in between Christmas and New Year's, and then caught it maybe about two weeks into December that I hadn't blocked the calendar. We had a couple clients who had scheduled, and so we promptly <laughs> canceled all of them and rescheduled them, and I said, you know, I'm so sorry that this wasn't blocked, but that really is a lovely time, and I, it is a time when, I don't know about you, but I have uh, no fucks to give about going and sitting on the couch and resting and baking and cooking and hosting and sitting and resting and TV and Netflixing and catching up on all of the things that I haven't done for a while, like the mags and, you know, the bon appetits that are piling up and the real simples. And so it was a really nice week and um, a lot of family, a lot of fun. And I hope that you had a lovely holiday season as well. Um, This is a particular time of the year that I really love because the benefit of the first of January is that we've passed the winter solstice. The days are starting to get longer, which fills me with quite a bit of optimism and hopefulness. And in addition, I think it is a time when I'm starting to think about our spring and the birthday season, which starts in our family, usually at the end of uh, February, and then extends into uh, and concludes right around mid-May, just after Mother's Day. So it's a fun time, and I love spring. I know we're just getting into winter, Uh, and the next couple of months will be gray here in Cleveland and probably snow-filled and you know, blustery and that's okay. Uh, and I know that the period of winter, you know, leads to the period of spring and that deep restful time is useful. So, um, I hope that you again had a lovely holiday season and, uh, um, and that you're approaching the start of this year with maybe some hopefulness and, uh, some joy and, you know, a little bit of gratitude in your heart, just like I am. So, Let's talk a little bit about um, something that I want to share. So the um, I, I want to start off by talking about this experience that I have. And there's two parts of it. And um, the first part is that um, maybe a, a couple months ago, I was at the maybe Elite NP conference. Um, and I created this post about my experience and what I was going to do when I was at the conference. And I had said something like, you know, I tonight decided that, you know, I went to the conference. I you know, sat there, I did my networking. Um, I went to the happy hour cocktail. If you were there, you know, there was a lovely uh, cocktail hour. And then after that, I decided I'm going to go and sit at the bar. I'm going to go to craft uh, by Tom Colicchio and MGM Grand. I'm going to sit at the bar and I'm going to have you know, a dinner and I'm going to just enjoy a cocktail and sit by myself and, and luxuriate in the ability to sit at the bar, you know, interact with the bartender, you know, have like a, have a dinner solo. And I don't do that very often. And I don't know, maybe you're like me, maybe you don't either, but, but you also may, may think about doing this and, and it may bring a smile to your face. Like, Oh, that might be kind of nice actually. 
So anyways, so I put this post up about how I threw on, I had this gorgeous outfit, this beautiful leather skirt. And, um, and I, I looked, you know, like a million bucks. I mean, I just was like, felt like I was the baddest bitch out there. Right. Did this beautiful cat eye. I went to the networking session. I went to the conference and then I went and sat down by myself and had dinner. Now, what is really comical is that that night at craft, I sat down and then no sooner, maybe within about 10, 15 minutes, a gal sat down next to me. Um, normally I would not strike up a conversation with really anybody if we're being completely honest based on how introverted I am, but I was sitting there and, uh, and, and, and she sat down and I, uh, said, Oh, hello. How are you? You know? And I, I think she ordered, um, a glass of wine or she ordered maybe a cocktail or like the, you know, be, maybe the beef tartare or something like that. But whatever it was, I said to her, is that good? Like how, you know, I was thinking about that. She's like, oh my gosh, it's so good. She's like, it's one of my favorite things when I come to Vegas. I come here. I usually meet my girlfriends for the weekend, and we go to a conference or a you know party, a um, bachelorette party, or we do like a girls' weekend. And she's like, I always come a little bit early, and I come here and I sit down and have, you know, this dinner, and I treat myself to you know their steak tartare, and I get a glass of champagne and whatever it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's lovely and good for you. And so you know, here we get to chatting a little bit, very casual we're at the bar. I'm not having to face her and look her directly in the eye. For those of you who have children, I find that that's the best time to have conversation when I'm sitting in the car. There's no eye contact being made, but there's plenty of conversation that's going on. If you know, you know. So I'm sitting next to her and we're having our conversation and, you know, I'm enjoying, I think, a, a cocktail. And then no sooner do these three cowboys come and sit on the right of me. And all of a sudden, you know, they are just life of the party dudes with their, one's got a baseball hat on, two of these big old cowboy hats on, and they want to see the rodeo because they're there for the rodeo that weekend. And so they're talking to the bartender who they know, and this is their regular, they come in twice a year. Now all this I find out. I mean, I come to find out all sorts of interesting things about this man. Okay, sitting next to me, who is a cowboy who's having some testosterone problems. who wants to know, you know, why this happens and what this means. And, you know, if he can have sex with his wife, but it's not working for him and, but it's not a problem, but his testosterone level said it was this. And does he need to be on T? And I, you know, here I just come fresh from the testosterone lecture at Elite NP and, you know, and I was like, well, you know, here's the, here's the data. Okay. You do you, right. I don't actually treat men. So this is a little bit out of my uh, comfort zone, but you know, I'm just relaying, uh, you know, the relayer of the information. So, so I'm sitting there and he's showing me pictures of his kids and blah, blah, blah. You know, this is, this is, uh, going into the exact territory that I didn't want to be in, which is that I wanted to sit and have a nice glass of champagne, a cocktail, you know, have my steak and get the hell out of there, right? At the bar, my quiet solo dinner, right? Is now becoming a party at the bar. And then the bartender's getting involved. Anyways, whatever. So I had a lovely night. The cowboys were were lovely people and uh, really were disappointed when they when they learned that I don't drink bourbon. And, um, and, uh, and then, you know, so, and this medical device uh, rep, she was lovely and just nice human. So, but I was sitting there and, you know, I, and I, wrote this post after the fact. And I said, you know, for a long time, for a lot of years, I felt really insecure. And, um, and it took me a long time to get my sea legs as an NP. It took me a long time to feel comfortable in my own body. Um, as a human, it took me, um, a long time to feel like I wasn't inadequate and I still, you know, struggle with that a little bit sometimes. 
And, um, but I wrote this post and just said, you know, it felt really good to go sit and to think about all the ways in which I have shown up very powerfully, uh, and very confidently and from a really uh, genuine place. It's not, you know, power pose bullshit sitting there, you know, trying to make yourself feel like something you're not. And I've done that because I've consistently put myself out there. I've gone and I've, I've done tons of public speaking. I've, you know, done Zooms and I've done webinars and I've, I've, you know, done launches and gone in and across the country and spoken at conferences and, and put myself into rooms where it was very uncomfortable. And I have developed an ability to sit in that discomfort and to never make it mean anything about me and, you know, to feel, to create a sense of belief in myself so that I never need to rely on anyone else to provide that for me. And it's really been incredible. And when I sat down that, di- that night at dinner by myself, my solo dinner, which was really not a solo dinner, I sat down and felt like, you know what, man, it feels good. It feels really good. And so I wrote this post and I said, you know, if you're going through this, remember, you're not alone. Number one, number two, it's totally normal. And number three, you know, in order to become that version of yourself, what are you, what do you have to be willing to feel? And what do you have to be willing to do that you're not maybe doing right now? And so I had to laugh because, right, this is back in October, I think, was that conference. And and then here's the funny thing, right? So this morning I'm walking with my husband. It's 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, whatever. And we're walking because that's what we do pretty much without fail most mornings. So we've got the dog and it's cold here. It's, you know, first week of January. There is usually some black ice on the ground. I tend to walk um, most days you know, of the week. And regardless of the season, my threshold's about 10 degrees. Like below 10 degrees, it's, it's uncomfortable, in my opinion, to be out there um, with any exposed skin. And so that's kind of my threshold. But up to, you know, 10 degrees, I've got all of my, you know, cold gear uh, you know, in place and my heated vest this year. And now I have a hand warmer and all this shit. So... I'm well equipped. Well, this morning we go out and we're walking and we usually walk on the sidewalk. Our neighborhood has sidewalks in it. And, um, but occasionally there is, there's these small patches of black ice, as I'm sure you know. So we're walking along and I slipped on the black ice and I didn't fall, but you know, when you just, it rattles you a little bit, you're like, you know, and you kind of, you know, lose your balance, but you don't necessarily fall. And those are like, I feel like the perfect times when you can throw out your back. Do you know what I mean? So anyways, I'm, I don't do that, but I'm walking and I slipped and then I was like, oh shit. And in my mind, I thought, he said, I thought, oh gosh, there's black ice here. And then my husband said, do you want to move into the street? And my first thought was, uh, well, what will people like, what will they think if I'm walking in the street with the dog? Other people won't like that. <laughs> And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like in my own brain, I'm like, I, I don't know. It feels like a lot to go out and walk in the street. You know, the three of us, it's kind of wide. We're going to take up a lot of space. Do you hear this all in my brain? And so my husband, so I said, uh, and he said, um, would you be more, uh, you know, or he said, would you like to walk in the street? And I said, and as I'm thinking, I'm waiting through all this bullshit, you know, fodder in my head that's going on this conversation in my brain. I said, I would be willing uh, to walk out there if, if it wouldn't bother you at all. Again, kind of like deferring my decision-making authority to him. So he said, no, not at all. Let's go. So sure enough, we get out there. And no sooner, this is all in the span of maybe about 10 to 15 seconds, very short and quick. 
And we get out there and I was like, oh yeah, it's so much easier to walk in the street because the street lights, you know, I, there's much more visibility on where the black ice is and it generally is a lot more clear. And so, um, and I know the streets of where the black ice is. Um, so I, so I'm in the span of 10 seconds, I'm thinking I'm going to cause a problem if I'm walking out in the street. I'm questioning whether or not I should take up too much space. I then defer my decision-making ability to my husband because I'm like, I don't know. And we get on the street and 10, 12 seconds pass. And I was just like, oh my gosh, look at that. How fascinating. Like I just literally thought I was going to be too much if I was walking out in the street. Like I was going to, like I was taking up too much space to walk in the street. And I know it sounds so, so small and inconsequential and maybe even silly. And I agree with you. It is a little bit silly and it happens because that's who I am, right? I am the person who can go sit comfortably and have the solo dinner, which turns into the party at the bar with the cowboys and the med rep, uh, the drug rep. And I can be that version of myself and I can still be this version of myself who sometimes my brain operates in the old way. It, it still thinks like I'm not you know, good enough, pretty enough. I'm not, you know, worthy enough to be out there. And somebody's going to feel some type of way about it, right? My people pleaser comes out roaring, like, don't piss off the people who are driving in the street. They've got to get to work. They're important. They've got important things to do. You're just walking. I mean, do you see it? Do you see all that fodder? And so I, I just had to chuckle because at this point I know that I do this and it's not a problem. I just know that sometimes my brain reverts back to the old way that we used to, that we used to do things. And so now I just meet it with a lot more compassion than I used to. And I say, Oh, look at that. Oh, of course, of course. Look how, look how your old, old, you know, that old belief system, it just, it, it kind of came through and like, Oh yeah, no, we don't do that anymore. If you've ever seen um, Miss Americana with Taylor Swift, she has a great example of this where she's talking about how she used to not eat a lot. And she, she talks about having, I think, quote unquote, in her words, an eating disorder or disordered eating. And she says that, you know, she never realized that she said in the pursuit of thinness in essence, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she said something to the likes of in the pursuit of thinness. I didn't realize that it wasn't normal to get done with a show and like feel like I was going to pass out or to not have enough energy to do the physical, you know, um, regimen of what it, what it was to, you know, do a show. She's like, and I didn't understand that. And she said, and so I didn't eat. She's like, I maintained my thinness in order to control right? To feel in control around what I was eating. And then I, but it negatively impacted me. And so she said after her whole debacle and interaction with Kanye West, and she went into essentially hiding for a year, again, these are her words, but she said, you know, I really had to question a lot of that. And I had to look at it and start to think of like, why am I doing this to myself? And she said, and what's funny is she said, I sometimes still get triggered. She said, I'll see a picture of myself where I'm, uh, you know, paging through a magazine or I'll see a picture online. She's like, and I get triggered and I look at it and think my stomach looks fat or something looks off. And she's like, and now I just know that my brain defaults to, oh, look how chubby you look, look how fat you look. And she goes, and I just gently remind it, like, we don't do that anymore. We don't starve our bodies in order to maintain some ideal of thinness that some, 
you know, colonial, Puritan loving, you know, social or um, uh, uh, European, you know, uh, society told us was good to be. She's like, we just don't do that anymore. And for those of you who have done reinvention work or identity identity work, you will understand that when you become a new version of yourself, you really do get into that place where you will see your new self and your old self. And you'll say, we just don't do that anymore. It's like me around gluten and pasta, right? I just look at it and I'm like, yeah, I just don't eat glutinous pasta anymore. I don't eat any gluten. I don't eat any wheat. None at all. It really fucks my body up. I just, I'm not that, that's not the version of me right now. We don't do that anymore. But when I smell the bread, do I still have a, maybe a slight urge? Or when we walk into Dunkin' Donuts, does a donut smell really good? Fuck yeah, of course, a hundred percent. And I'm just not that person anymore. And so I had to chuckle when we were walking because I thought, well, how interesting, you know, here I am sitting, um, you know, walking actually. And, you know, over the space of 10 seconds, I feel really insecure and, and, and look how my insecurity drives what I do and how I show up and the conversation that I have with my partner and the choices that I make. And, um, and am I comfortable with that? And I know very well I'm not. And so I've learned though, to meet myself where I am with compassion. And so I wanted, I bring up the story for two reasons. Number one, because I want to tell you a little bit about an interaction that I had on Facebook that I thought was a, a perfect encapsulation of, of this conversation and how insecurity can drive the bus. But the other piece of it is that I just want to normalize insecurity as a total, you know, a totally normal part of being human and an inadequacy. Not only because many of us have maybe been trained and conditioned on that we were, you know, less than if we were not dressed well, or if we, our tits didn't look, you know, perfectly, you know, set up and bouncy, or if, you know, we have hair in places where you should not have hair, like your toes or your belly button or, you know, whatever, right? We've all been the product. Many of us, if we've grown up in the United States, we've been the product, maybe either through our families who raised us or our um, elders or our religious communities or our um, social me- uh, messaging or advertising, we are the product of the messaging that comes through to us. And so some of us have, have had you know to manage some of that insecurity. And I would just say, you're not alone. And I just want to remind you that it's okay and it happens and nothing's gone wrong here. And even though some of us continue to still sometimes feel insecure, like we look in the mirror and I'm like, mm, you know, that picture, that uh, dress doesn't quite look as good as you thought it did. I just did this over the weekend on New Year's Eve. Some of the old thinking coming up. I posted a picture of uh, this beautiful dress I got from Run the Runway and it was spicy hot. I mean, it had a back cut out. I had to try like a ton of these different strapless bras with boob tape on them just to make sure that like I had enough support of my, you know, size D boobs, size C D boobs. And like, you know, that stuff is not easy. Okay. If you are a C or D or bigger, or I don't even know how you're doing if you if you're bigger, because it is a game. Like it's playing a game and you're playing Russian roulette with some of this shit because some of that tape doesn't stick. I mean, so anyways, I went through Amazon, I had ordered a couple of bras, they didn't work. Finally found one at Kohl's actually. I was very surprised about that. I'd never go in Kohl's, but I had to return an Amazon package. I was out by Kohl's. There was an Amazon right there. I ended up um, you know, using it and uh, 
um, was walking through the store and saw in their bra section that they actually had a decent uh, section of these uh, bras with the tape that don't have a back to them. That was the whole point. I needed a backless bra. But anyway, so I find the bra. I'm so excited. I you know, am returning the uh, Rent the Runway um, uh, bag, uh, you know, today. And I was like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be able to wear this dress. So sure enough, I put the bra on. It's great. I mean, like works like a charm, beautiful. And, um, I take a picture, right? My husband took a picture of one of my kids, the front of me and then the back of me. And then I posted them online and I was looking at the next day and I was like, "Mm, you're showing a little bit of like hip, your hips sticking out there. It doesn't look great. You know, do you see it? Do you see how it just comes up in these little instances? And so it's, I just want to point out that it's very normal, not because I say it is, but just because it happens. And so I just want you to know, and I hope feel reassured by the fact that if those things happen to you too, it's okay. It's okay to be that version of yourself who, who has those moments still, and who has the moments where she sits solo at the bar and feels like the baddest bitch ever because, you know, her cat eye is on points and her leather skirt is like hotter hotter than all get out. Right. And she still sometimes, right. She has that balance of sometimes feeling insecure and inadequate and sometimes feeling like the most confident woman who ever walked the face of the earth. Right. Powerful. Um, and so it's normal and I just want you to know you're not alone. And then the other piece of this is that I want to just share a little story of, um, you know, of another NP that I encountered on, uh, Facebook in particular and the conversation that we had, which, um, which I was surprised by, to be honest, um, and, and more surprised, not in her, but in myself. And so, um, so over Christmas, um, over Christmas, I took some time off for my business, right? And so I told you, we, I pretty much shut down between and during dead week. And I saw patients in the office for a couple hours on um, Thursday, but that was really it. We had done, we've been selling, um, you know, the NP business accelerator. We um, decided to put pause on coach training and shift that again until September of 2024. And so um, I, you know, we, things were kind of naturally kind of coming to an end of 2023, right? Like shutting down the business for a couple of weeks. And so very often when I do that and I get to a place and you may feel like this too, but I get to a place where I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm feeling like really good, right? Get a little bit of space, a little bit of time, a little bit of perspective, so to speak. So sure enough, I was on quite Facebook quite a bit over that week that, um, you know, I was off and again, doing what I normally do, which is that I, I provide a lot of, I try to get in there and provide a lot of value. This is one of the strengths that I use of my own, which is that I'm a relationship builder and I am somebody who relates. And so I go into a lot of the Facebook groups and I answer questions as best I can. Right. And with my experience, whether it's in digital marketing, building a business, being a coach, making money, side hustles, what have you, right. We've got a bunch of courses set up in the back end. We've got um, a lot of resources for people, whether they're freebies, you know, free checklists and, you know, courses or whatever. So, and I've got them all, you know, lined up and I, I share them regularly. So one of the, um, I was in one of the groups and um, someone posted like asking, you know, what do you, what are the benefits? Do you think I should go back for a DMP? And like, what are the benefits, pros and cons? And I said to this person, um, you get to decide whether or not it's useful to ask them for an answer that is up to you essentially to choose, right? To decide upon, right? Getting a DMP, I'm pretty sure most of us know 
I'm pretty sure if you put like a hundred of us in a room, we would probably all come out with uh, some similar answers, which are like, yes, the DMP could be useful. Yes. It's nice to get a terminal degree in your discipline. Yes. There is, um, a lot of opportunity for, you know, maybe people in education or who want to be in part of the doctoral circles. And this, you know, is an opportunity for them in an academic setting. It could hold some weight, but like, I just think we've had this conversation quite a few times about the DMP. Do you know what I mean? Been there, done that. So anyways, I though was more interested in not in the DMP, but more in the, the decision-making process of her going into the group and asking them to, you know, is it a good idea for me to go and get a DMP? And and now on one hand, right, weighing pros and cons, there's nothing wrong with that. Getting the opinions and some feedback and advice from others, there's u- usually um, some uh, benefit to that. And we also, though, know at the end of the day, the decision is ours, right? The decision for me to go and get a postgrad certificate or go get a DMP, like that's at the end of the day, I got to decide on it and I got to be the one who's committed because nobody else is ending up with the student, uh, you know, loans or with the, um, you know, the, the tuition bills. No one else is ending up with the work. Nobody else is doing the studying to go and pass boards or to, you know, do the final project. Like that's, that's on us, right? If I make the decision, I'm doing the work, I'm doing all this shit. And so I said to the person on Facebook, just make sure that when you are asking these questions, that you aren't deferring your decision-making to essentially to people who don't know you and that you're making a decision for yourself. Like, is it the right thing for me? And is it what I want, right? Like a DMP could be right for you, but it might not be what you want. You might not want to spend your time like schlepping to and fro for a DNP or attending online classes. And only you know that. And so I said to her, you know, so this was my response. And then she responded back and I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. She responded back and said something like, she was somewhat defensive and said, you know, at least that's what it felt like. And she said, um, you know, I, but like, I run a busy household. My husband is literally like, doesn't help me. Like he doesn't get it. And, you know, and like, what am I supposed to do? And I, and then I wrote back and said, and I said to her, I'm going to send you a DM. And so I, I sent her a DM and said, Hey, I, I get it. And here's the thing. There's never going to be a right time. There's never going to be an easy time. There's never going to be a time when it all makes sense, but here's what you do get to do in this moment, which is that you do get to make a decision for yourself of whether or not it's the right time. You do get to decide whether or not it's the right investment. You do get to decide whether or not for you, it feels like the next move that you want to make in your career. And we don't need to have all the answers, but that decision-making process for you, that's where you have your control. And I said, generally speaking, when most of us want to do something, we can do it. And we all, you know, for those of us in this profession, I think it's very clear that if you can go and run a code and that doesn't scare you off, and you can go and work through COVID and that doesn't scare you off, and you can go and finish 900 or 600 or 1,000 clinical hours and that doesn't scare you off, for Christ's sakes, like, what can't you do? I mean, right? Like there's no shortage of determination, wisdom, and expertise amongst our profession. I mean, anybody who's gotten to the level of being, you know, master's prepared or doctorate prepared, um, you know, we have a certain set of determination and skills upon us because you can't get to that place if you don't. I mean, the system is set up where those people get weeded out early. They just don't make it. 
right? There is a system set up. And so you, so I don't, this is not a, an issue of can you do it? Can you make it work with your small kids? And, you know, the question is, do you desire it? Is it right for you? Is it what you want? And I said to her, you know, when I got my MBA, it was a kind of a crazy time because I was working full-time in a full-scope midwifery position. And a lot of you can relate to this, that if you're working full-time, you're doing some nights, you're doing some days, you're always on rotating shift. It's, you know, it's challenging. And it's also um, sometimes, right, when you have your heart set on something, you go out and do it. And that's how I was with my MBA. We were building the clinic. It was a 35,000-square-foot clinic. We were, um, you know, in my family, my kids were just getting into school age. We were starting into soccer practices and all that. Um, I wanted to go and get an MBA. My husband was doing some traveling and I just decided I'm going to make it work. And so one of the ways that I made it work was to get up early on Saturdays and Sundays. And I did all of my reading, honest to God, on the most, like for the most part on the treadmill, doing most of my case studies and then doing, you know, some of my work either over lunch. I was, you know, trying to get my charting done so that I could spend some time over lunch or I was taking three, four hours a weekend to go and sit in the early mornings and get some work done, right? But what happens when you make a decision? Well, if you want it badly enough, you're going to go and figure out how to make it happen. It's just what happens. Most of us make the decision and then we're like, all right, let's go. How do I have to set the system up so it's going to work? That's what most of us do. That's what we did for nursing school, right? There was no guarantee, remind you, like, let me remind you, there's no guarantee on nursing school. They were just like, hey, you got to go and do a bunch of hours. And you were like, okay. And they were like, you got to pay the money. And you were like, okay. And they were like, and we may or may not graduate you at the end because you may or may not actually pass. And you were like, sounds good. I'm going to make it happen. And you just made it happen. And so people in our profession, we have no shortage of determination. We have no shortage of the ability to make decisions. We frankly do it all, all, all damn day long. But interestingly, I think you have to just notice when you are looking at making a decision and you're, it's, you're coming from it from a place of, you know, insecurity or you're wanting somebody else to make it for you or you're deferring kind of your power to like, I don't know, is it the right time or maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't or, you know, or doing it for the right reasons or doing it for the wrong reasons or judging yourself for what are right, wrong, right and wrong reasons, right? Like think about it, right? Like. And, and so the most fascinating thing is that in this conversation, we went back and forth a couple of times and it was, it was, I, I said it then, like, there's no right or wrong decision here. Your job is just to know what's the best decision for you based on where you are in your career, based on what you desire, based on where you are with you in the season of your family, based on, you know, what makes the most sense for you. There's just no right or wrong. So if you remove that lens of thinking that there's no right or wrong, there's just whatever I say is right and best for me makes it so much easier to come across and just be like, all right, so if that were the case, if I knew exactly what was right for me, you know, would I do it? And then to just listen for the answer. And then to just notice if it says no, if the answer is no, that comes to you, great, it's no. <laughs> Pay attention, listen to the damn answer. And if the right answer comes across and it's like, yeah, you can do this, right? To know like, okay, I'm gonna do this and I can do this. And I think, you know, I started off this conversation by just giving you some examples of times when I've showed up <laughs> powerfully and times when I've shown up and insecurity has led the bus. And you know what? We're not here to judge it. And, and I hope that's given you some sense of reassurance that if you do that too, 
it's totally normal and nothing's gone wrong here. And I also want you to know that I think one of our jobs is to make sure that we are on to our brains and that in those moments when insecurity or inadequacy pipe up, we think we're too much, we think we're taking up too much space, we don't trust ourselves to make the decision, we are waiting for our our partners to just magically become more equitable in the division of labor or emotional labor that goes into running a household. Like, I mean, hell, you could be waiting a long time for that shit. I'm not waiting for that shit anymore. I have no control there, right? You see what I'm saying? But I just, I want you to just notice when the insecurity or the inadequacy or that you know lack of confidence drives the decisions that you make. That's all. It doesn't matter about what the right or wrong answer is at the end. Because as you noticed, just because I gave you these two examples, you can be both. You can be the person who once in a blue moon still shows up and, and kind of with some insecurity and it's not, it's not a big deal. I just want you to be onto your brain and make sure that you're not consistently making decisions out of inadequacy or insecurity or that you're not deferring your decision making to somebody else who doesn't know it better than you do and who frankly doesn't have all of the insight and who is not the, um, neither the person who's going to create the result or the person who's going to have to deal with all the bullshit that comes with creating the result, right? Getting the books, going to the classes, you know, having communication with the teachers, going on Blackboard or Canvas or whatever the hell they use now these days. Um, and so I just want you to see that you know, insecurity and inadequacy, those are big ones and for a lot of us. And it's not surprising why. That's okay. And my goal for you is that, and for me too, is that we get better at dealing with insecurity and inadequacy when they pop up and that we, and that we learn not to defer our decision-making power and not to wait and not to think that we're too small or that we're not good enough to notice that those thoughts come up and then to catch our brains and be like, wait a minute, actually, you know what? No, I know just what I want, right? What, where we got to with this, um, this person on Facebook was at the end, she said, you know what? I realize it's not actually the right time for me and I'm not going to do this because it's just this season that I'm in is challenging enough. And I, um, I just don't, I, I want it, but like, it's just not worth it. It's not right for me right now. And she was like, I'm just withdrawing my application. And I was like, okay, there we go. That's you making a decision from a place of power, not making a decision from a place of insecurity. And it's really powerful to be able to do that. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, doesn't that feel different? She's like, yeah, it does feel different. And I was like, see, that's how you know. That's how you know. So look, your insecurity, totally normal, not a problem. Your feelings of inadequacy that pop up from time to time, whether you're a business owner, a seasoned NP, CNM or CNRA, or you are you know, someone who just occasionally is walking with your dog and your husband and you're like, wowzers, there's a little bit of inadequacy right there for you served up at 6.30 in the morning. It's totally normal. Nothing's gone wrong here. We don't make that mean shit about us, okay? And our job is to just get better at noticing when we show up and what feelings drive those those actions that we take and whether or not we're going to let insecurity drive the bus on what we do and what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to tell you, if I had let insecurity drive the bus on whether or not I was wearing that red dress, please, 
We would have never gotten in that red dress. How do you know I looked at that red dress? I tried. This is the one I wore for New Year's Eve. I tried it on. I was like, it's a little short. And I was like, I can't wear a bra with it. You know, I've got like 36 CD-ish boobs. Like, you know, I don't know. Some of you have really embraced the free boob era. I just, I, you know, not me. Okay. I just, yeah. And I don't, I'm not here to judge. If you want to have your nipples out or your boobs free, you know, free hanging out there, like good for you. Enjoy. And sometimes I do. Okay. Look, sometimes I do, but I just, for me personally, wearing a bra, like I wanted my boobs to be up and I wanted them to, you know, look good and, and, and not be like, you know, flying all over the place. Like that's just how I wanted it. Right. But let me tell you, my insecurity was like, oh no, 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 we can't do this. Right. And then I get that first bra and I put it on. I was like, oh, this ain't going to work. And then I get another stick on bra and I'm like, well, this one ain't going to work because, you know, my boobs don't even fit in it. They're spilling out the sides. And now I just have boobs that are literally, I got one of those, the bra on Amazon where you, it's got the stickies on the inside and then you, it has like a corset function. So there's just two cups and then you stick them to the actual breast and then you pull down in the middle. So I'm like, great. Now my, literally now my tits are pulled together, but they're still at my belly button. Like it doesn't make a damn difference. Right. So, <laughs> so, but like, so I just want you to note the insecurity. We just note it and we welcome it and we invite it in and we're like, all right, here you are again. Not a big deal. Come on over, have a seat, but we're not going to need you today. So just Here's a cup of cup of tea, a little blankie, and go ahead and have a seat. And we'll just, uh, you know, thanks for being here, but you can go on home. Right? That's how we talk to insecurity and inadequacy. It's totally normal, right? We don't try to power pose our way through it. We just we just welcome it in and invite it and say, oh yeah. Sometimes from time to time, my old brain kind of you know goes back online, and we just tell ourselves, just like T Swift said, we just don't do that anymore so powerful. Okay. So, so I want you to think about what are the things that I'm not willing to do anymore and where am I allowing insecurity and inadequacy, you know, to maybe make some decisions for me. And, 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 and I want you to just notice too, the problem isn't necessarily having insecurity, feeling inadequate. The problem is when I feel insecure and inadequate, what do I do with that? Am I comfortable with the result that I create? Is it the result that I desire? And if not, that's where you have opportunity. And that's where I want you to ask yourself, okay, so now what? If I want to change the result, if I don't want to walk around making decisions from that space or, you know, defer my decision-making, you know, um, to another person who doesn't know my situation, who really doesn't know my dreams, who doesn't know where I want to go. If I do that, then like, if I don't want to do that, then what do I want? How do I want to feel about making this decision? And what could it feel like if I showed up powerfully? And even if I don't believe it's possible for me to show up hundred percent powerful, like complete, like com- completely confident, what could it feel like to show up 5% more confident than I do right now. Could that be possible? Right? I'm just working with it a little bit. So, okay. So go label your insecurity. Just call it out with compassion. Okay. We're not here to shame and blame it. Please, girl, that's the old way. We don't do that anymore. Okay. And then I just want you to develop that awareness. And then also, again, come on back. Remember, T Swift, we don't do that anymore. 
we don't judge ourselves. We don't, sh- you know, do a whole shit storm of like, oh my God, here we go again. Look at her. No, we just, okay, we don't do that anymore. Next, right? Next, on to the next, okay? All right, team, I love you and I hope you are well. Happy New Year to you and uh, I will see you next time. Take care.